Hi, you're listening to 48 Minutes, and this is Tim Kittrow from NBA Jam. Ooh, boom, shakalaka. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to 48 Minutes. As we continue our team previews for the year, we are so close to hitting our goal of all 30 teams. Just a few more to go, including today when we talk to Portland Trailblazers. I am Tim Daniel. Joining me as always, my pod partner in crime, my right-hand man, Sean Mackey. What is up, Tim? Man, what's going on? Man, I don't know, man. Let's get the energy up, though. You, you I seem, know. I love you seem it. down. Let's go. Portland uh-huh. Trail Blazers. <laughs> well to help with that energy we do get the site expert from the rip city project on fan sided he is mr matt george moore matt welcome to 48 minutes and thank you so much for being the first portland trailblazers writer we've ever had on the show well thank you very much john is that is that good enough energy for you that's great energy. that's fine that's great (laughs) actually uh i'm thrilled to be here guys uh um, and thank you so much for inviting me on Tell us a little bit about Rip City Project, man. Uh, like I said, you're the site expert there. You guys are part of Fan Sighted. Um, obviously, a pretty popular group there. I know I like you guys more than I like um, SB Nation. Words well, that's good being, to hear. Great to words hear. Are being, words are being dropped there for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little about the site, your work, how you got involved, and like tell me everything about it, man. Well, I've been involved with uh, Rip City Project coming up on a year now, so I got to uh, watch the Blazers – um, start the 2017 season, uh, you know, at a mediocre level, and then rise up to the third seed, and then get totally punked by the uh, the Pelicans in the first round of the playoffs. So, um, I've seen lots of up and downs, which I think uh, is pretty par for the course. Uh, if you're a Portland Trail Blazers fan, those of us that uh, root for this team are sort of used to a team that's. Um, a little bit better than average and sometimes makes it to the second round, at least in the past uh, generation or so. Um, but uh, often doesn't, uh, you know, have the, uh, uh, I guess, the roster to, to make it any farther than that, especially in today's Western Conference. So uh, Rip City Project, our task is to cover um, each and every angle that uh, that we think might be of interest to uh, Portland Trailblazers fans, uh, far and wide, the Rip City Nation, as we like to call them. Uh, so, we, you know, we do the typical recaps, uh, stat casts, that kind of thing, and then we do longer um, opinion pieces based on, you know, our own uh, views of uh, the direction the team is in and uh, and that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, as, as you mentioned, it's a fan-sided account, so we got lots of support from uh, from the big wigs. Uh, in terms of our reach, uh, we have a Twitter account that everyone can follow. We're on Facebook. We're active on both of those. So, uh that's sort of where um, where we are at the moment. So we're getting excited to, to head into the new season and see, you know, I'm sure we'll discuss this as we go along today, um, to see how some of these uh, uh, small changes that the Blazers made over the summer uh, impact the team heading into next year. Well, let's start with the end of last year because obviously, like you said, for a stretch there, the Blazers were on fire. Um, they end up being the third seed in the West. They just ran into an Anthony Davis that was just on another planet for a while since the DeMarcus Cousins injury. Um, <clears throat> you know, Damian Lillard obviously had a great year. At one point was being mentioned MVP candidate. Had a lot of great moments. 
Um, you know, Yusuf Nurkic obviously stepped up. He was more than just a LeBron poster this year. I know that's all people remember, but he did actually have a pretty decent year enough to get a nice contract. So coming out of last year with the sweep, unfortunately, uh, what was the feeling in the area about what this, what this team can look for in the offseason? <clears throat> well, you know, I, I think I think most Rip City f- fans were flabbergasted by the way the season ended. I know uh, my colleagues and I had some discussions uh, prior to the playoffs about which teams we thought were, you know, the best matchups for the Blazers. Because if I'm sure you remember, the, the Western Conference literally came down to the last few games uh, in terms of seeding. Uh, so the Blazers, even though they were that third seed, which, you know, was sort of a nice thing to put on the resume, they were, you know, within four or five games or so of dropping out of the the yeah, spot. it was nuts. So, yeah, it was, it's so <laughs> tightly compacted, which is what makes uh, the West so exciting to watch. So when we were discussing possible playoff opponents, of course we we said let's not play let's not play the Warriors, let's not play the Spurs. You sort of you, you sort of cut off the cream of the crop and then say, well, you know, who else might we like to match up against? And to be honest, I don't think anybody here was really expressing um, any fear or reservations about playing. The Pelicans, I, I think people thought at least that, you know, the Blazers would put on a good show. Um, but it really looked like they were, I mean, they were totally outmatched. Uh, they were out-hustled. They were out-muscled. Um, you know, they weren't really in games uh, at all uh, throughout that, that four-game sweep. And, you know, as you said, Anthony Davis is... is uh, is sort of playing out of his mind lately. But, um, you know, we thought with Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Nurkic sort of coming into his own a little bit, uh, that we would at least match up uh, against them well. So I think heading out of <clears throat> that, ser- that series, I think Portlanders were sort of just walking around in a daze because, you know, Portlanders uh, and Trailblazers fans, I think, think of themselves as pretty savvy basketball watchers. And uh, I think it was a shock to all of us. Um, and uh, for me, who's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Terry Stotts, uh, who's the head coach of the Blazers. I'm a Terry Stotts defender. I like him a, a great deal. Um, and that was sort of the first time that I said to myself, wait a minute, this he, he, uh, he's sort of getting out coached here. Um, and that was sort of the first time I said that. So we, we left that playoff series as Portland Trailblazers fans feeling pretty sad. So heading into the off season, we definitely thought, well, we need some, some ways to match up better with these, these teams. And, you know, uh, it looks uh, like a lot of the teams in the West have gotten better. Uh, Portland, you know, I guess that's up for debate. So uh, we, we expected a lot uh, from them in the playoffs, and they delivered zero. Um, I, I, uh, because of the way the front office for the Blazers is, particularly Neil Olshay, who's the president of basketball operations or GM, um, you know, he, he's, he's, uh, he's been criticized a lot and, um, in Portland, and, and I think I, I, we weren't really sure how he was going to respond to that. So I... I uh, long story short, I think most people were frustrated by the ending of the season, and they're not all that impressed by what they've done in the off season. Um, although people are pretty high on the two uh, the two players we got through the draft, Anthony Simons and Gary Trent Jr., both of whom seem to play beyond their years. But you know, we're looking for someone to uh, help us advance now. You know, not five years from now. So that's sort of where I think the Portland mindset is. You mean to tell me you guys aren't excited about Seth Curry? <laughs> Um. Well, you know he has name recognition, right? That's important, I think. 
<laughs> when like when the pressure was released, do you think they were like the, the Blazers sign S Curry? So people were like, "What?" <laughs> and then it's like Seth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, uh, no. I guess the answer to that is no. The, the short, <laughs> the short and the long answer is no. We're not that impressed here uh, by that pickup. But you know. Uh, I guess the optimist, the glass half full side of me wants to say maybe he can fit in the system well. But, you know, for a team that's uh, sort of point guard and, and shooting guard heavy uh, to bring in two guards in the draft and then to sign Seth Curry and Nick Stauskas, uh, you know, it, it seems like they are trying to imitate, um, you know, what the league has done lately, which is sort of uh, veer away from the old school kind of center dominated basketball style and more towards the. Uh, you know, high passing, high tempo sort of, uh, you know, movement offenses. But, you know, you, t- t- you can't just plug pe- anybody in because they play a certain position. They, they got to have some skill set. So, um, again, uh, you know, I, I hate to be the kind of guest that says, you know, I don't really know what's going to happen, but I really don't know what's going to happen <laughs> uh, because, you know, we lost Ed Davis, uh, who was sort of the heart and soul of the team and pulled down a lot of rebounds. And, you know, I guess they hope Zach Collins, who, uh, you know, had some moments of promise uh, last season. We'll step in to fill those shoes. And there's just way more question marks going into this season than you would like. Um, so, you know, to, to only half joke, uh, we're just uh, riding high on the Summer League Championship right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I totally forgot about the Summer League Championship. But, you know, that's what happens over the summer. That's right. So it's not like, not like a big thing. So, uh I want to talk about your two big guys. Obviously, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. They've been together. I think this is their, going to be their seventh season, pl- or, um, yeah, or sixth season playing together. Yeah. Um, McCollum made the jump in the 2015-16 season. He's he's a wonderful scorer. I think he, he compliments Damian Lillard very well. Um, and they're one of the best backcourts in basketball. And like you said, you, you guys are going to need some more pieces, obviously, to make everything work. But... C.J. McCollum is one of those constant names you hear, like, in trade rumors, um, things of that nature, whether they're, you know, halfway true or not. Do you see C.J. McCollum finishing the season with Portland this year? Or, like, maybe do they do they play out the whole season with them and just kind of evaluate what happens? And if not, do they make a move this offseason? Well... You know, I can approach that from t- from two angles. The first angle, okay. the, the first angle, is sort of through the prism of what we know about Neil Olshay uh, as GM, and he's stated more than once that uh, neither CJ nor Dame are trade options. Um, he loves these guys, and okay. you know we do too uh, as fans. But um, specifically about CJ, and this is the other angle that I'll approach this subject from. Um, he has been. Uh, sort of rumored to be uh, a trade piece. Um, but then again, you know, so as Damian Lillard, if you know, a few months back, there was lots of rumors about him possibly going to Los Angeles, play with the Lakers and that sort of thing. Um, I, my gut tells me that nothing will happen with CJ okay. McCollum, either now or at any point during the season because of how uh, Neil Olshay prizes his abilities. Um, but as a basketball uh Fan and and as a uh, a person who writes about the game, um, I necessarily I don't necessarily think that it would be a bad thing if they were to trade him. I think he's an expendable uh, player. Um, 
not to say he's not talented. Uh, he, oh no, he's yeah, great. He, yeah, absolutely. He plays that that uh, he sort of owns that middle ground of of the court. He he can get his shot uh, whenever and wherever he wants it. Um, he's not much of a facilitator. You know, he doesn't rebound much. Um, yeah. He he would be a fantastic third or fourth option on a really great team. Um, whether he's the second option on a mediocre team and whether that can carry you farther into the playoffs, you know, it, it, it hasn't proven itself really yet. Who who would you move a guy like C.J. McCollum for, you know, if it was, you know, if push come to shove, you know, it's like you got to make a move, you guys aren't going anywhere. Like, what would you want in return for a guy like C.J. McCollum? Because right now he's pro- his, his trade value is pretty high. It might be the highest to ever be, but... Um, you know, I, I don't know what you get back for a guy like him. Yeah, I don't yeah, – see, that's a good question. Um, I, I don't know as well. I mean, you, you'd think you'd certainly get a, a, some, some draft picks for him, but that, again, doesn't help Oh yeah, the Blazers moving forward. Um, you know, maybe someone that's a little bit more uh, seasoned than some of our young big guys, uh, namely uh, Zach Collins and Caleb Swanigan. Um his name is escaping me at the moment. Uh, who's the the player that signed with the Lakers just recently? Um, <laughs> not not LeBron. Not LeBron. <laughs> uh, I can't remember his name at the moment. Is uh, escaping me. But he's sort of a, a big guy that can muck up the middle a little bit and shoot a little bit. Um, you know, somebody JaVale? like that. Javale McGee. Was it Javale McGee? He's, he's a little bit too old, I think. Uh, it was somebody else. Um, you know, I'll, I'll look it up in a bit and, and bring it back into the convo. But um, I, I think that's. You know, if, if you're if you're guard heavy, I think the idea would be to sort of pull back a little bit from that scheme and maybe get someone in there that can grab some rebounds, block some shots, um, you know, and, and generally muck up the paint. Um, but I guess that sort of uh, reveals me as a not so much an old schooler or a new schooler, but somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I feel like uh, Damian Lillard is going to have to be one. I, I think he kind of has that old school loyalty to the club feeling that like Kevin Garnett had with the Minnesota Timberwolves and they basically had to like tell him it's time to move on you should you know you should you know if you want to move on from this team you should do that we're not really going anywhere you know we want to do this trade you know because he's just he seems so adamant about staying in Portland which I, I think is just awesome and I love that he wants to be the face of that team Yes, and uh, that's one of the thing that in, that's one of the many things that endears him uh, to those of us that 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 watch him play each and every night. Uh, he's not only a stand-up guy and a fantastic basketball player, but um, he seems uh, genuinely um, sincere when he says things like that—that that he'd rather stay in Portland. That rumors of his uh, imminent trade or departure are you know overstated or overblown or just plain made up. Um, I liked. You know, I like that. Uh, I like guys that play for one team through their whole career. It's just, you know, just for consistency's sake, I guess. Uh, it's it's rare. Yeah, it it's is so it rare, is rare these days. And you can't blame these guys for leaving either. I I, I don't ever do that. Like when Lamarcus, yeah, that's a whole other story. When Lamarcus Aldridge left to go back yeah. to Texas, uh, there was lots of hemming and hawing and and gnashing of teeth here in Portland. But you know. Uh, uh, these guys, you know, they got to do what they think is best for themselves, and and that is that includes Damian Lillard, despite the fact that he's professed his his desire to stay. So that's the question that you know whether he stays or goes, we won't know that until the season. Or I'm sorry, until his career is over. There's been so much bad luck in past years with Portland. You know, it's nice to see them have you know 
a really good player. I mean, obviously the Greg Oden thing didn't work out very well, or or and Brandon Roy, who was an incredible basketball player. We were joking about him before uh, we got on, um, but uh, Damian Lillard just embodies that whole team. And I mean, he had just a ridiculous season last year. Just like looking back at his stats, I mean. 26 points a game, that's that's just crazy. I mean, he's he's playing, and I want to say it wasn't last year, but the year before I predicted he would be an MVP. And I still think that could happen if he had the, the right pieces around him because he's that kind of player that I think can can lead a, you know, a team if you have the right pieces. Uh, yeah, and uh, I agree with you 100% there. You know, he made first-team All-NBA last season, which is, you know, pretty much everything you need to know about, you know, how the, the, uh, the league sees him um and you're right if he was on a team uh that had a little bit more uh, power backing him up uh you know he i mean he's already in the mvp discussions he's usually not in the top you know two or three of that talk but um he certainly could be and uh, just to backtrack a little bit gentlemen the the player i was whose name i blanked on was julius Randle, who now oh yeah, yeah he's yeah. with the pelicans he, and he was with the lakers and i was with the backwards. lakers but yeah. you know a guy like that and i think there were some rumors that he he was you know that portland was at least looking at the guy but uh you know somebody like that um you know he would he would have been a good I, I would i would have actually liked that that would have been nice yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. But, you know, again, you know, it gets into sort of shaky ground because you're discussing a player like C.J. McCollum who's just an absolute scintillating offensive player. And and if you're going to bring someone in to replace that, it, he better be all that and more. <laughs> so we do kind of have a bone to pick with the Blazers because a good friend of our program who has been a guest on our show, a guy I've interviewed quite a few times, is not a member of your team anymore. That's our good friend Pat Connaughton. So we talked to Pat right at the offseason. He was fully expecting to be a Blazer again. Um, athletic guy to come off the bench, get some nice dunks in, make some people excited, has some big games this year. What was your? What do you believe was the reasoning behind, you know, obviously Seth Curry comes in, that's a better scorer for them, but what, were you kind of shocked to see Connaughton not return to the team next year? Um, you know, I can't say I was shocked. Um I like Pat Connaughton as a player. Uh, you know, as you said, he brings a lot of athleticism and um, tenacious defender too. I mean, he may not show up on all the defensive stats uh, stat sheets necessarily, but you know, I saw him through the course of the year. Uh, you know, sort of post or play defense against guys that were much bigger than him. He's very active. He's very annoying on defense. Um, so. You know, this is the kind of question where you're sort of like, maybe we should just stick with the, uh, you know, the devil we know kind of thing, and uh, we know what we can get from Pat. And, um, but you're right, you bring in Seth Curry, who, um, you know, supposedly was going to bring some more scoring, which is uh, one thing that Connaughton didn't bring consistently. Um, his three-point shooting was uh, c- could be streaky, especially. Um, but they're definitely going to miss his hustle um, and his sort of attitude on the team. Um, so I guess I wouldn't say I was surprised um, that they just let him go. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, those are, that's one of the moves, you know, P- Portlanders keep expecting the Blazers and hoping the Blazers make big moves to make the roster much better. And it's usually these small things like this, even though that's not necessarily an active move. Um, it's Those are usually the kind of things that happen. You know, Pat Connick, Connaughton goes, Seth Curry comes, and, you know, we all just sort of go, okay, well, I guess we'll see. Um, how that's going to play out. And then, obviously, you know, another move at the guard position there is uh, Shabazz Napier is gone. He signs with Brooklyn. Um, You know, Shabazz is a guy that's had an interesting career. I know going back to um, 
his time when he got drafted by Miami because the Heat saw that Le- he was LeBron's favorite college player. Right. And they thought that drafting Shabazz Napier meant he would stay. Obviously, <laughs> it didn't happen. Um, he's been a little bit of everywhere now. So, you know, Shabazz was obviously a good scorer off the bench. And this is going to lead to me talking about Anthony Simons, who was the first-round pick this year. Uh, was is that? Do you think that that kind of was like was another hand in hand move where the reason Napier doesn't come back is because they drafted Simons? Hmm, I, I don't know. Um, I suppose that you know the the writing is on the wall there. They bring in young young talent. Uh, they don't seem to make be making very many overtures to you as far as uh, wanting to bring you back necessarily. Um, but again, you know, we get into the question of whether for Portland. If, whether this is a, this is clearly not an even, you know, this is it's not a zero sum game here. We lost Shabazz Napier, who was, uh, in my opinion, uh, for long stretches of the season last year, one of the best backup point guards in the league, a guy with a championship pedigree, won two championships, uh, you know, as, as college player um, in Connecticut. So uh, again, uh, you know, this is just. A, a, talent sort of just uh, drifting off with with no great fanfare um, and Portlanders left looking at a roster that's somehow getting younger um, despite the fact that they were already one of the younger teams in the league so yeah that's another uh, another you know uh, I guess net negative uh, for me Um, I wanted Shabazz back uh, but uh, you know you play with the team you got I guess right so as you can tell, but my my enthusiasm has dropped. You're sort of depressing me with this all these questions here about George Papianis is gone. That's got to be good, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Georges is gone. Gorgeous, Georges, uh, Papa G. Um, how little we knew ye, right? <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about Anthony Simons that comes in. Um, obviously, a very interesting story if you follow college ball. Uh, was, scared, was slated to go play for a year college ball, decided not to, at, and then um, kind of takes a year off to train and get ready. Still gets taken the first round. Uh, really talented kid with a lot of upside, um, crazy athleticism. But is there a concern about a guy that hasn't played competitive sports for a year coming to the NBA and really just seeing like his pace, his speed? Because I didn't get to see a lot of you know summer league by any chance with the Blazers, even though they did win it like you mentioned. Um, but obviously, Simons is a name I have circled to see what he turns into this year. Yeah, he's an interesting project. If you approach the season with an open mind, then you have to be, I think, excited about Anthony Simons. Uh, as you said, he comes uh, from I, you know he comes from IMG Academy in Florida. He didn't play any college ball, um, but as you said again, crazy athleticism. Uh, he can get head above the rim if he needs to he has a pretty decent shooting touch as well um although his shot is a little unorthodox um it sort of comes from the chest uh area it sort of pushes the ball a little bit Um, a little sean marion to it yeah yeah, a little bit um the the big fear for him uh on top of his inexperience is his size he's incredibly you know small uh he's very thin um you know you expect guys to bulk up um some as the league uh as, the, as their career moves forward. Um, but those are the two main things, his lack of experience and his, uh, his size. Um, you know, I, it's going to be interesting to see how he handles that, um, you know, uh, bashing around on the court with all the big fellas out there. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I think you have to be excited just to see what he can do. And, I, you know, I actually think he's going to be a pretty good player. 
Um, whether he helps the team win, that's that's another, you know, another subject. Yeah, I'm excited to see what he does. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to see him do a little G League time, just kind of bulk, um, you know, once trying to put his skills together. But I could definitely see him being a good part for the Blazers for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, on that same end, Gary Trent Jr. obviously drafted by Sacramento. You guys make a move to go get him and after uh, get his draft rights. Skilled guy, played obviously at Duke, which is a prestigious school. One game away from the Final Four. Gary Trent Jr. was a big part of Coach K's team, but. Anyone that follows college basketball knows that the Duke was made fun of because they had no way, no clue how to play man-to-man defense. And so Gary Trent Jr. comes in with the inability to play man-to-man defense, but also an athletic guy with high upside. Um, what do you think his role is this year? Is this a guy that's going to be kind of on that G League side a little more? Is this a guy you kind of see being at the bottom end of the rotation or really just kind of sitting the bench all year? Um, I, I, I see him getting some playing time uh, at least early on. Um you know, as the season progresses and depending on what happens uh, in practices behind the scenes, uh, you're right. He might bounce back and forth between the G league and Portland. Um, I sort of see him right now being more NBA ready than Anthony Simons. Um, I agree. Yeah. Uh, his body's a little bit more NBA ready and his shoot, his shooting touch is, is spectacular. Um, and you know, in that summer league, again, you know, you don't, uh, you don't want to extrapolate too much from summer league, but, uh, he looked fantastic. Um, he looked like he didn't even really need to be uh, in the summer league. Um, so um, I think to answer your question, I think uh, he he will, he has the potential, uh, and he'll probably get the opportunity to uh, place some significant minutes, maybe ten to twelve minutes a game, if he can uh, withstand the rigors of the long season, and if uh, <clears throat> he continues that sort of uh, exciting summer league play that uh, he displayed. Um, Otherwise, he, he he might end up at the end of the bench uh, next to Jake Lehman, who is somebody that <clears throat> also dominates in summer league, but uh, is probably getting a little too long in the tooth to have that be his calling card. So uh, most of your uh, listeners probably don't even know who Jake Lehman is. Um, <clears throat> those of just, us in Portland, just guys like us, <laughs> right? Just us. Uh, <clears throat> uh, we he, you know he hasn't really. Uh, uh, turned into the kind of player that we thought he might either but you know with all of these guys um there's always a question about uh, experience talent athleticism and then once they get into the league you just never know how it's going to pan out you know as we know uh from watching the game sometimes number one picks don't pan out so certainly second round picks often fall by the wayside as well but um i actually many names there anthony bennett Uh, I actually have uh, high hopes for both of these young fellas and um, would like to see them contribute, obviously, uh, sooner rather than later. It's just a question of whether that's uh, something that can happen. I, uh, this sort of gets back to the initial question, which is what are Portlanders expecting? You know, this is why we're sort of not really sure what to expect, but we might be looking at it it's from the glass half empty perspective because. You know, you got Damian and CJ, you've got Nurkic, that's your quote-unquote big three, uh, and then you've got who? You know, Zach Collins, hopefully, will continue to bulk up, continue to improve his game. Um, he's got us really excited as well. Uh, and then you head down the bench, you've got, uh, well, no, I'm sorry, not the bench, but the, you head down the roster, you've got Al Farouk Amino, who's a solid player. Um, and then, you know, we're not really sure where we're going to be headed from there. So, Is um, Evan Turner still on the team? Evan Turner, and, and you know, I... I I neglected to mention him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we a lot of people do. Crazy. Yeah, he is a frustrating, frustrating player. Uh, he's part of the, the sort of holy or unholy triumvirate of overpaid 
players for Portland, Myers Leonard being another one, um, guys who have made the big bucks in that crazy free agent season of 2016 and uh, haven't panned out. I like Evan Turner. Um, he's one of the best follows on Twitter. Uh, if you are ever, uh, if you're into that sort of thing, um, and he's, you know, he's a big body. He can play a little bit of defense, but he doesn't bring much to the table as far as offense is concerned. Uh, um, I'm not looking at his stats at the moment, but I'm thinking it was probably under 10 points a game last year. Um, so yeah. Um, you know, he, and he's probably going to be a starter. So that sort of tells you everything you need to know about where the Portland trailblazers are. Uh, heading into the 2018-2019 season. Well, it, it, it's it's funny that you mentioned Evan Turner because literally right before we, we got onto this podcast, I, I just Googled the Portland Trailblazers roster, and, you know, they have everyone's pictures up, but Evan Turner's isn't Evan Turner's picture. It's a picture of Draymond Green. <laughs> 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 so I was like, well, yeah. Oh, maybe they don't e- yeah. Maybe nobody knows who he is. I don't. I don't know. We can dream. So. We can dream, right? That uh, that he's Draymond. But uh, <laughs> that'd be nice. That'd be a good pickup for you. Yes, it would. Yes, it would. <laughs> I want to kind of pick your brain a little bit about um, uh, the Bosnian beast himself, Yusuf Nurkic. Um, he's going into his third season with Portland. Uh, his uh, seventh season overall. Last two years, he's he's played very well. I know he didn't play a whole lot in uh, the 16-17 season, but last year played 79 games, um, which is and he started all of them, which is really cool. Um, and he kind of evened out. I mean, he, the year before, he was averaging 15.2 points a game, but that was only with... I think he only played like 20 games or something that year. So... Um, do you see him progressing anymore, or is he kind of just leveled out in your mind? I, I see him progressing. In fact, uh, Nurkic, yeah. who can be incredibly frustrating um, due to his tendency to rush up shots um, and mope a little bit on the court. Um, you know, there's uh, we've written more than once at Rip City Project. You know, I mean, you could you could write a whole series of columns called Nurk Dunk the Ball. Because he has a, he, you know, here's a giant of a man who has a tendency to uh, finesse it towards the basket, and, and uh, that's frustrating for us. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, he he, he came in um, late in the was a 2016-2017 season, played um, a handful of games for Portland, and injected life and fun. And uh, you know, he's a good passer, and, and it was a great time for <laughs> to be a Portland Trailblazers fan. Um, so we sort of expected him to build off of that, and I think maybe the expectations maybe were a little unrealistic um, because he didn't. Um, he sort of, as I said, uh, finessed the ball too often, uh, tried to force passes too often, uh, moped too often. Sometimes he would disappear completely, uh, and I mean not just from the court but from uh, the sideline. Some su- Suddenly he would be missing from the sideline, and we wouldn't know what happened to him, so you wonder if he's hurt or not, and then the next game he's back out there with no word whatsoever from – you know, the front office as to what happened. So, um, I, yeah, it's, it was a, a strange, That's odd. yeah, it was a very strange situation. Something again, that we've written about at rip city project, um, which I called a mystery ailment. Um, suddenly he was gone and then he was back. And as far as I can remember, you know, maybe they've updated the story since then. Uh, I don't remember there being anything specific, uh, that had happened to them, to him, uh, in those games, but, uh, that's the glass half empty side of it. The glass half full side of it is here's a guy who is just turning 24 um, last week, I think, or two weeks ago. So, 
he has a tremendous upside. He's incredibly athletic. Um, he has a 10 to 12 foot jump shot that's sort of coming into its own a little bit. That would be incredibly helpful for us. He can pass the ball. He's got pretty decent vision. What he needs to learn is uh, to keep his head up. Um, and that's where Damian Lillard and CJ and these guys uh, need to sort of step up and, and smack him around a little bit if necessary. And I think they've done that in the past. I think he gets too far into his head. Um, if he can get out of that sort of mental state uh, that he's prone to get into, um, I think he can be a legit uh, third big three player type. You know, if he can average 15, 17, uh, you know, miraculously 20 points a game and get 9 or 10, 11 rebounds a game, block a couple shots a game, uh, I think we'll be more than satisfied uh, with him uh, heading into the season. He's he's a an interesting player, an interesting sort of wild card uh, and what we need from him is to be less of a wild card and, and to play more consistently than he has in the past. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we're expecting big things from, from, from him, definitely. So let's talk a little bit about Zach Collins. Um, you mentioned him earlier, kind of a guy looking to see him develop. Uh, rookie year last year was kind of a uh, later, a mid, mid, uh, middle-tier first-round pick. Um, guy that had a lot of recognition coming out of Gonzaga the year before they played in the national title. So this is another guy you kind of I know a lot of people expect to see progress more and kind of kind of go warp more. What do you want to see from him this year? And is it if what is what you want what you expect to see from him this year? Um, I, I think they're they're both uh, they're one and the same. I think what I expect from him is something he's certainly capable of providing, which is um, uh, a sort of a big body down low, not necessarily the center position, you know, maybe a stretch four kind of guy um, who can, you know, in a, in a perfect world, he would be like the second coming of Kevin McHale, you know, somebody who can uh, get, get his, his butt up against a defender uh, in the post and make uh, several moves to get to the basket and get the ball in there. He also has a pretty decent three point shot that he works on. Um, You know, his, his, I think he shot 31% last year or so, um, you know, which isn't, that great, but for a seven footer, it's not too bad, right? So, um, I also want to see him get better at his free throws, um, and I think he can do all of those things. And what's really impressive, I think, about Zach is that again, here's a young player. He's he's not even going to be drinking age uh, when the season starts, I don't think. So, um, he has much much room for improvement, and um, it would be great if he could double his scoring average, which, as I'm looking at it now, is 4.4 points uh, last season in 66 games. Um, if he can move that up to about eight, I mean, he'd be right up there with Evan Turner already. So, uh, <laughs> aim high, aim high, <laughs> aim high, right? So, um, I uh, Zach is um, probably the person on the roster at the moment that people have the highest hopes for, and I think he can be a great player. I really do. Um, you know, he he. He's still young, so I say bring it on, Zach. And and he, what's what's really great about Zach is he he doesn't seem to uh, he's not intimidated by the uh, by the big leagues. Um, you know, he he has some fire in him and some fight back, and we like that. So, so Matt, I'm going to be honest here, man. As I look through everything that is crazy with the Western Conference, and I look through everyone that's come over to the Western Conference, one person in particular, obviously, right. Um, I am very nervous about the Blazers going into next year. I, I I don't. I still very well think they'll be competitive. I still very well think that they could be in the running for a playoff spot. But like we, but I don't. I, I honestly right now have them out 
if I'm if I'm and today and in, in, you know, the beginning of September, if I'm picking where I think that they'll end up, where where do you see this team as far as talent stack up? We you know, like we said, I know the the theme of this episode seems like it's been we don't know what to expect, but is that something you know? Do you, if you disagree with me, I'm not going to be mad at you. Obviously, I'm going <laughs> to understand. But do you still have them as a perennial playoff team for the Western Conference? Well. Uh, let's put it this way. As I mentioned earlier, they finished in that third seed uh, last season, but were just a couple of games from from being out of the, out of the playoff picture right. completely. So, if that had been the case, the tone of this conversation and the angles that we're taking would be totally different. We'd be saying, "Wow, they might be able to jump into the playoffs this season because very true X, Y, and Z." Um, you know, with LeBron on the Lakers now, you have to consider them to be, uh, if not neck and neck with Golden State, then at least one A or one and one A, right? So, you know, if LeBron can take Cleveland to the finals, he can certainly take the <laughs> Lakers to the finals. So, I think everyone else is maybe shooting for those from three on down. And then, as, as you look at the West, you you say, well, who's not going to be part of this? It's um, you know, uh, you've got Sacramento is definitely an out. Okay, so Sacramento, um, you assume Phoenix probably, even though they got the number one pick, or, or yeah, not yet. Right, not yet. Memphis is dreadful. Dallas maybe got a little bit better, but you know. So, and then other than that, everyone else uh, above those uh, those teams is a contender for a playoff spot. The Lakers, the Clippers, uh, the Nuggets, Timberwolves, Spurs, right? Pelicans, Jazz, Thunder, yeah. and Portland. So. Nuts! It's ins- crazy. It's crazy. It's um, I don't know if I've ever seen it as tightly packed as it as it has been, which is again wonderful for for those of us that enjoy watching the game. But to answer your question, uh, you know, you're right. The tone of this uh, this whole discussion has been we don't really know what to expect because we brought in all these new guys. But at least on paper, Portland doesn't look to me to be better than. Uh, a lot of those teams that I just mentioned, they might be around that Timberwolves Nuggets eighth, seventh, eighth, ninth seed uh, grouping. And, you know, as we know, nine ain't good enough. So um, I think it's they're entering treacherous waters. And, you know, we haven't really talked about uh, I don't know if I mentioned the Thunder, you know, Thunder's still in there. So. <clears throat> You know the the realist in me uh, says uh, it's completely possible that they that they don't make the playoffs at all next season. Uh, less because of their talents and more because of the incredible talent that's uh, you know swirling all around them in the Western Conference. So you know I, I want to be the the kind of guest that gives you a, a yes or no answer and uh, and not just uh, well we don't know what's going to happen. But I'm I'm. I'm really worried, to be honest with you. Uh, I think anything that happens to them, uh, which places them in the, the, you know, the middle of the pack, will be a surprise, uh, a pleasant surprise nonetheless, but a surprise because I just don't, I just don't know how they've gotten better in this off season. Well, it makes the it makes the uh, regular season more of a surprise than say you know Golden State. Mm-hmm. So so there's that. So, Matt, as, as Tim said uh, before, we have been doing uh, lots and lots of these season previews. We've talked to a bunch of outstanding uh, writers like yourself, uh, columnists, podcasters, things like that. Um, and we're asking them all uh, 
this one question at the end of it, you know, towards the end of all of our interviews. And I'm going to go ahead and ask you, if you were going to give us one bold prediction for the Portland Trailblazers this season, what would it be? Go crazy, too. That's a good question. That's a very good question. Uh, let's see. Bold predictions. Um, a bold prediction is both of the rookies, Anthony Simons and Gary Trent Jr., contribute immediately. Oh, I like it. And help those of us in Rip City land uh, to feel much better about the season as it progresses. Um, as I said, I'm very high on these guys. My only question is whether they're physically, uh, mentally capable of dealing with the rigors of an NBA season. But because of what they bring to the table, table naturally, um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that they're both going to be awesome uh, and that they're both going to play significant minutes throughout the season without any need whatsoever for being dumped down into the G League uh, at all. So um, there's my bold and that, my bold prediction. That's that's fair. I mean, you never know. I mean, last season, no one was you know talking about Donovan Mitchell at the beginning of the year, and he's just like an absolute stud. Absolutely. So you just never know. Exactly, exactly. So th- that would be uh, fantastic uh, for those of us here in Portland to, to see that happen. Well, Matt, you've been awesome, man, and we've certainly appreciated everything that you've given us and all the insight in the conversation we had today. Um, so before we get you out of here, we like to be kind enough to give you the floor to once again shout out yourself, you know, your social media, where people can follow your writing, whatever you want to talk about in this situation. Please go and take the floor, my friend. Oh, great. Uh, you guys uh, and all your listeners can uh, find my writing and the writing of my colleagues uh, at ripcityproject.com. You can also find us uh, at Rip City Project on Twitter and on Facebook if you're interested in following along. We often write about uh, things uh, that are Blazers-related, although not necessarily Blazers-centric. Um, I particularly like to write about the evolution of the game itself. Um, so if you're interested in that sort of discussion, please uh, check us out. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter as well. I'm at Matt George Moore. Uh, if you just go to the Rip City uh, Project Twitter page, you'll find uh, me linked right there. We have a lot of good work uh, you know, coming uh, in the next few months as we start to head to- into the preseason and uh, the season gets underway. And um, it would be fantastic if we had some more uh, – you know, we like to talk to the – to the NBA fans on Twitter and uh, in the comments of Facebook. So please, please do join us for these discussions. And we'd be very happy about that. Absolutely. And we definitely do appreciate your time. So like we said, this has been this week's installment of 48 minutes brought to you by 48 minutes network.com where you can check out all of our previous particles and podcasts. You can also check out all of our podcasts on Apple podcasts, Stitcher, Google play, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Alexa, and of course, Spotify. And be sure you get the time to give us a couple minutes of your day, give us a nice five-star review, and tell everyone how much you love our work because we love our work. So obviously you do too. So on behalf of Sean Mackey, this is Tim Daniel. Everyone have a good night.